Hey everyone, happy International Podcast Day, which was actually yesterday, but I wanted this week to officially drop in spooky season, a.k.a. October. As a brief note up front, Gavin and I have been having a really great time making the show for everyone, and we're so glad that you're listening. We have an extra juicy month of shows lined up for October to give you. Dear reader, more of that creepy, creepy monster analysis that you crave. We hope that you enjoy the ride with us through our first Halloween together, and if you're getting something from listening to the show, we'd love if you'd grab a link of a favorite episode and toss it to a friend and tell them that we're doing something worth listening to. It would really mean a lot to us. Enough out of me already. Let's get to this special spooky season episode from Gavin. Episode 16, Headless Horseman. Monsters, the deadly, unserious show about creatures, cryptids, and curiosities curated by two weirdos from wild and wonderful West Virginia. That weirdo with me, when I can get him to stop replacing his teeth with candy corn and screaming at the neighborhood teens, is Gavin. And this weirdo with me, who, when he isn't being haunted by his ancestors, is Hess. And we are here to, as we always are, delight and edify you with tales of mysterious monsters from mythology, film, literature, TV, as well as gaming from the console and the tabletop and beyond. And on a rotating basis, each of us brings a monster into the shop unknown to the other presenter and discusses their origins and implications for the benefit of you... Dear readers at home, so a quick reminder that we will be referencing uh, throughout the show images uh, in our describing segment at the end uh, and just during the general meat of the show that will be available on our Instagram at Oops All Monsters. So please go over there. Um, and it will also, there is also a hub in our link tree there to all of the cool stuff that connects us to uh, our various places, our various existences on uh, social media and whatnot all over the interwebs. So, Gavin, this is your episode, and also my understanding is that you have a uh, a, voc- a vocabulary for us. Is that true? Yes. It's all very right. villainous. Not not really, though. But, yeah. so, okay, so let's slide <laughs> over into our uh, hit segment. Villainous vocabulary. So, um, what are we looking at? What word do we have for vocabulary today, Gavin? Uh, today the word is bellwether. Okay. All right. Do you know what a bellwether is? Uh, I 
maybe not in the way <laughs> oh no i don't um not oh. i don't think so uh, like b-e-l-l-w-e-t-h-e-r yes okay what wh- what is it it's a leading sheep of a flock with a bell on its neck that's the the sheep that uh mary lost okay um, or in modern terms, it's an indicator or uh, predictor of something. Yeah, that was the usage that. Um, yeah, I mean that's a that's not a bizarre usage. The that so and such and such is a bellwether of of forthcoming events. That I yes that I but knew. It but it came I, from the sheep in front with the bell on it that all the other sheep follow. Huh? Do I they follow? That's the one that the dog wrangles primarily. Yeah. Do you think that they follow the sheep because of the bell, or do you think that the sheep? Probably, I if any if we have any shepherds in our uh, listening audience, um, who knows whether they follow (laughs) the sheep because it's got the bell on it, or because it gets the bell on it because the the sheep follow it. Somebody, uh, let us know. How are we going to introduce the completely, completely mysterious to me uh, subject matter for our first inaugural, uh, inaugural, our first inaugural spooky season subject ever? This one, I'm going to probably delay this one by a day or so, so that is officially in October. This will be, <laughs> I, but it will definitely be spooky season. So, what are we? How how are we going to introduce today's topic, Gavin? I can do a story, but you might get it pretty quick. I mean, that's your it's it's, <laughs> it's your uh, it's your rodeo. All right, let me change uh, let me change the story completely here on the fly. Let's say <laughs> that you are uh, the prince of all of known Ireland, which is just uh, the land from the coast to the mountain behind you, and you don't dare go past that mountain. So mm-hmm. you're the prince of all eight acres of Ireland, and mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and your cousin is also vying for the throne. So one night, whenever you're called into the field for some medieval reason, uh, he takes at you with an axe and cuts your head off. And then you're dragged into the unseely court by various banshees mm-hmm. and ghasts, and they offer you to be a martyr to uh, forever roam the earth without your head telling future princes of Ireland uh, to beware. Oh, and, and you are on a horse. Okay. Well, I think <laughs> I, I think I may have finally come across it. Is it, uh, is it Christopher Walken? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it is the Gancahan or the Doolahan or popularly known, the headless horseman. Okay. Um, well, this is um, this is spooky season indeed. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. How interesting. Okay. Well. Um, all right. Well, this is this is going to be a chunky monkey of a certain kind. It's I, pretty chunky. Uh, um, I, this is um, this is um, really traditional American folklore. Uh, at least the at least the Ichabod Crane story is. But yeah. I don't know. You, you tell that me because I. Um, well, uh, where where I'm... where in this tale 
Uh, I had no idea that there were going to be fairies involved. Yeah, I was going to focus on the Irish Dullahan, which is okay. um, what the Headless Horseman is based on. Really? I, uh, yes. That is news to me. Um, <laughs> so how am I spelling Dullahan? Uh, D-U-L-L-A-H-A-N. Okay, and those are the... Called are... Yeah, sometimes called the Gan Kian, which literally translates to without a head. Yeah. And does Doolahan any have any of those like wobbly Irish like dealy boppers over any of the, the letters? Uh, um okay. no. Okay. Just just <laughs> No, you can type that straight into Google. Alright. The um the uh imagery of the Doolahan that has been brought to uh its con its modern conclusion is a headless figure that carries its head so it can look around better and carries a whip made out of a spine. Uh, okay, that gives me yeah. a whip made out of a spine. It's got big yeah, it's bow, pretty, big bow diddly vibes. I walk 47 miles of barbed wire. I use a cobra snake for a necktie. I got a brand new house on the roadside. Made from rattlesnake hide. I got a brand new chimney made on top. Made out of a human skull. Now come on, take a little walk with me, Arlene, and tell me who do you love? The Doolahan, I've got the five edition explanation, the fifth edition D&D &D thing in front of me, so I'll just <laughs> okay. do that first. Um, a Doolahan is a type of fey creature born in the unseelie court. Doolahan resemble undead due to their headlessness, but both head and body are kept alive by a curse. Inclined to travel at night by unseelie magic and their own appearance, grim folklore has sprung up about them. Uh, Doolahan are created by unseelie fey when they decapitate a human or a similar race as part of a dark ritual. Due to this ritual, most Doolahan tend to retain most of their characteristics of their human self, but memories of their human life is mostly forgotten. Well, then you don't. I don't... Okay. <laughs> Only a few Doolahan manage to remember a few memories from their human life due to a trigger or lasting impression that can never be forgotten. Doolahan are also capable of producing offspring... But much like a tiefling, the offspring will be a Doolahan, regardless of the partner's race. That's hilarious. <laughs> Wait, what was that? What was that last point? The, do, in in Dungeons and Dragons, Doolahan are capable of producing offspring, but much like a tiefling, the offspring will be a Doolahan. So it'll be born <laughs> headless and cursed. <laughs> Why like the you... head will be come out later separate. I don't know. No, that... no, yeah. Three weeks later, you'll give birth to a pumpkin that won't stop screaming. Yeah. <laughs> Holy crap, D and D. There's a lot of there's a lot of the the real good shit in D and D is like it's not the it's not the damage dice. It's the weird shit like that that's hidden in between the credits yeah. where where nobody's like. We're, you just read past it and you're like, the fuck? And then you never look at it again? That's actually the good shit. You know, I, g <laughs> I gave birth to a headless baby. Yeah. <laughs> that is, but it, it was born, it was born headless, but it had a pole axe and a cape. Yeah, and, it's, and a whip made out of a spine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, a, and then a, a, a tiny flaming pony ran into the... Ran yeah. into the ran into yes. the hospital room a Is few it minutes later and it ran off screaming death to the death to the duke. Uh, 
As far as I can tell, the horse is part of the creature. Is it born with its horse? Born with my horse. All right. I don't. So anyway. Yeah, right. I'm going farther than D&D 5th edition. We can look at an Arthurian tale of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. Because the Green Knight, who was made by uh, Morgan Le Fay, Arthur's sister, came and told Gawain, uh, challenged Gawain to a fight and said that every blow that you render unto me, I just put that in there, it's not written or anything. Every blow uh-huh. that you that I have to suffer, I'll come back a year later and do the same thing to you. And so Gawain cuts his head off and uh, in his satisfactory victory type thing. He doesn't worry about the knight coming back, but the knight does come back <laughs> uh-huh. and Gawain accepts his fate and kneels to the, uh, headless knight. And the green knight says, I was sent here to test your honor, not to kill you. So good job. Is like, where's the o- original OG Doolahan or, you know, if there's something prior to it, where is the like, Where's the acorn come from that all of this is coming out of? Do we have we established that yet? If it is, if it's murky Irish fairy tales, then that's yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure everything that I can find just kind of says it's Irish. It says where and not when. But this uh, this spine whip comes up a lot. Okay, I'm not tell, sure where that come from, comes from. <laughs> well, um, it's it's gnarl. It's it's super gnarls. Uh, yeah, I mean, like. <laughs> Jeez, it really adds another dimension because it's it, it, it's usually carrying its own head. I don't I don't know. I, I've got so many questions. Since you're holding a detached but animated head, do you ever use it like to, you know? Um, the uh, the fifth edition D and D uh picture is pretty good. Yeah, it's um. It's got uh, <laughs> yeah. shit. It's got ten feet of reach, which yeah. is um, a bitch when you're already riding a horse. And it does, in addition to the regular yeah. damage, it does necrotic damage, which is um, pr- pr- pretty yeah, pretty a... slicey in uh, in five e. Do you do you use it? You know, like on yourself. Um, like does does this? How does this transition over to the colonies and become? Something that we would have like seen as a Disney movie. The Brothers Grimm. The Brothers uh, Grimm were obsessed with the Headless Horsemen. Right, they wrote right, more right, right. than like five Headless Horsemen stories. Right. T- there were a bunch of them. A bank shot off of those those um yeah those <laughs> yeah. Uh, uptight German Brothers Grimm. Okay, so um, are there any are there any specific elements of this story in the the deep Irish version that we should note before we jump on to the what they what they discuss about it in um in the in the grim fairy tales or is it is it just uh well the there was a Scottish version uh uh about a prince Ewan who had his head cut off and um Following the Irish tradition of being dragged into the Underdark by the Unseelie, so was he. Um, okay. And then he showed up to uh, warn future kings that uh, that your cousins and brothers might kill you for the throne. Which, of course, I don't know why they wouldn't know that already. But, <laughs> okay. 
uh, yeah, the the Scottish Ewan guy is uh, more of a cautionary ghost than like a terror ghost. Depending on how you're spelling that, also I think the there's a Gaelic um, that might be like you might say that like Owen basically like uh, if yeah. it's like e, yeah, it's like pretty much it's like E O and then there's some G H stuff and I think it's an Owen yeah, the, Owen kind of thing. Scotch Scotch and Irish is pretty much like Microsoft and Apple. And before before I forget, we've said it a couple of times, like everybody knows what it is. But when we say um, the unseely court, that basically oh, yeah. the fairy realities, not just in D and D, but D and D gets it from folklore. But the yeah. the whenever you're talking about fantasy fairy business, unseely versus seely basically means like light versus dark. To be reductive about it is like good fairies and bad fairies, which is like yeah. whenever you're talking about fairies, it's actually very complex. But like yeah. unseely just means like very scary. Um, and uh, seely means just more like a regular fairy kind of agitating and annoying. Um, yeah. But they can, they're, both, they're both extremely dangerous, but unseely tend to be more like red caps and things that will you know gnaw your face off they're gen- genuinely super dangerous in an, in an inherent way um but uh you know so unseely just means like dark evil other examples of this uh headless rider is the acorn girl in hans jorgentaufel jorgentaufel who drank too much uh is now cursed because he drank too much i don't know and um, he haunts the acorn girl. I think that might be a grim story. I don't know. It didn't really go anywhere. Says the man holding a severed head. Don't tell me it never crossed your mind. Uh, but another one is the wild huntsman of Brunswick, who martyred himself to be a headless horseman, to warn huntsmen uh, of impending danger, and to punish poachers. And from those two stories, I assume the uh, story of Ichabod Crane came to be through several storytellers is is there anything specifically out of the the brothers grim period that we should pay attention to that's the difference because um like i know that they they were very hmm how would i say they really they took stories from various places and kind of like chopped and screwed them to fit their intense like uh, Prussian, yeah. Hessian, quasi-Austrian, uh, German Catholic, uh, self-hating, uh, hyper-disciplinarian view of of religion and and child rearing is my best understanding. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm wondering if that I, I'm wondering if we if there is a necessary step of looking at how they portray the headless horseman that is that is going to be necessary for us to, to then later understand the Ichabod Crane um, Americanized version. I'm pretty sure they just um, kind of consolidated the image of it, that it's a headless horseman. Um, like he has to be on a horse. And yeah. He has to, he has to either torment or warn somebody um, because all of the, that's what all of the grim stories are like yeah. cautionary headless horseman things. And I think that's where, um, what's his name there? Washington Irving? Yeah, Washington Irving got the idea uh, to make the Headless Horseman some type of, again, Vengeance Revenant. 
It certainly is a vengeance revenant. So this is this would make um this would actually be our second vengeance revenant since that we then uh, since we've discussed the drowned. Wait, was yeah. the drowned a specific oh. topic? What the fuck was that topic? The drowned or it was a vengeance. So it was Candyman. Oh yeah, we've got a we've had a few. Yeah. So we've we've got yeah. There's so a couple vengeance revenants. <laughs> our, uh, two of our biggest topics are um, fishy guys in the water, uh, things yeah. from things <laughs> from drowned. things from the sea, and vengeance <laughs> revenants. Yeah, this this guy's on a horse. So th- th- think. Halloween, spooky Halloween, that uh, this is a land-based monster. Oops. <laughs> All land-based monsters. <laughs> I have other plans for you, girl. Explain to me the, uh, if you will, the logical mechanism. Um, by, like, the version of the drowned are, like, you know, the drowned are underwater zombies or revenants that are created due to the the tragedy of being at sea and how hard it is and they represent I, I don't know man's man's foolish attempt to c- have control over nature or something but the mechanism is yeah. they shouldn't have been so bad at being at sea and now they haunt them <laughs> and now they haunt us indefinitely but what is the mecha- what is the mechanism you know what is the eric draven yeah, uh, what does what, uh, the Eric Draven gets killed by T-Bird and his goons mechanism that turns a, a headless horseman or a Dullahan into one of them? The fuck you all painted up for crackhead, huh? <laughs> Halloween ain't till manana. I've noticed in all, uh, like, uh, not very many people brought this up, but I noticed a, a lot of these stories, if not 90% of them, the Headless Horseman is royalty or a nobleman like a knight, and they were killed because of their position. And I don't know why yeah. nobody else made that connection. So. <laughs> no, that's, um, you know what? That's really, uh, I'm going to say, given no... <laughs> historical knowledge <laughs> that uh, that sounds <laughs> very right to me because also the through line between being a knight and being a hessian is that yeah. um it is oldie timey and it is an antiquity and prior um middle place between being um an upper class like a a, a senator in rome or a peasant, or in you know the Victorian, um, you know Renaissance or Arthurian England, it, between being a, a serf and a, uh, a landowner or a baron, you know being being a knight or being a mercenary, both have similar, although you know modulated implications. In that you can you can get station um, by being a knight, and you know obviously being a knight in Rome is different than being a knight in uh, medieval England. But there are, yeah. there are elements of it that are similar, where 
um, flavors and rights of quasi-royalty are granted to you, but you are still kind of seen as, like, common trash by the people that yeah. are actually ha- have, um, you know, like, a- aristocratic station. Yeah, who who don't do such things as engage in warfare. Uh, what brutality. Oh, I watched my brother chopping wood. I saw you kill a man with a shield. You'll be unstoppable with an axe. Don't get killed. Nor you, my friend. So whatever that, whatever that consistent element is, you you you're probably not wrong. I was looking through headless uh, royalty stories. There's a northern India uh, story about a headless prince that pretty much does the same thing that this uh, Irish stuff does. He was a, a prince that got his head cut off by a relative, so the relative could be prince, and now uh, the headless version in uh, Rajasthan okay uh, roams the Indian countryside and uh, he's seen as more of a hero than really like a villain or a vengeance type thing like he protects villagers and stuff from bandits yeah uh, but if it, it, it's like this idea of nobility having their heads removed and coming back as ghosts seems to be a worldwide kind of a collective folklore type of thing and all um i'm not gonna say the same period because it's about, <laughs> it spans across like 300 years but i mean that's pretty small comparative to like uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. three thousand years of history yeah and i'm sure that there's like a headless centurion story from rome that we haven't heard like almost certain of it, people got get their heads caught cut off in war all the time. <laughs> yeah, I really never had any knowledge that this was a wider uh, series of rings, other than the um, uh, the early American folk story. But it totally makes sense because it's so it's such a viscerally profound story. It's kind of like it it has a more it has a deeper older world flavor than the kind of stories you get from early American folklore, like, like a headless thing. And he's got a, he's got a gourd that's on fire and he, you know, he comes out at Halloween and he throws the flaming gourd. You know, I mean, it's like, it is, it's kind of too good to be American folklore because American folklore mostly uh, it sucks because it's very rudimentary, like early American art. You know, people just have not refined anything down to a uh, a process where the result comes out in a really satisfying way. We're looking at Eric. We're looking at the Eric Dravens, and maybe we need to look at like the T Birds. Man, fucking knows you, man. What the fuck you want, man? Why don't you tell me a story? A man and a woman in law a year ago. Yeah. So for to complete my crow analogy, like. Who are the people in some of these stories that are being uh, executed or tormented or victimized or um, or chastised by the behavior of the of the rel- of the revenant in these various stories? Who is the revenant like going t- to and um, because ultimately these are things that are about punishment and blame and guilt. It seems like. Specifically, and that's you. That's also a through line in fairy stories in generally, uh, in general. Yeah, the the concept that I'm getting is kind of like spoiled, uh, prickish 
you know, not fit to rule and got there by by hiring a murderer type royalty people. Like, um, I don't. I wanted to say James Spader, but that doesn't fit. You know, like, um, <laughs> nope, definitely oh, who, James who Spader. Tor- Just get the mannequin. Get get the mannequin. Yeah, who was tormented in a movie that was like a, a cocky little prick? That <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I I don't. I have no idea why. Uh, I don't have no idea why this comes to me. But I because I don't know the character's name or the actor. He's a good actor, but the guy at the end of Ghost, who's the total like cunt the whole yeah, time, who gets devoured yes, by the shadows. That's what I was trying to think of specifically. Exactly, the guy at the end of Ghost. Yeah. If I don't get those codes, if that money is not transferred soon, um. Dead. We are both dead. Oh, uh, he's a good actor. He's in stuff. I was just, yeah, I was just, I was just watching him. Uh, and, Tony Goldwyn. T- yeah, he's good. He's still, he's still acting. But I'm never, I'm yeah, never going like, to think of. I, sorry to, sorry to tell you this, Tony, but I'm never going to think about you as anything other than the guy who gets eaten at the end of Ghost. Yeah. Well, his eyes look like he's freaked out because he's hungry. <laughs> Yeah, it's really <laughs> he's forever really, stuck re- like that. It's really good casting. Um, <laughs> man, he was in the remake of Last House on the Left. I do not remember that. And what is and what happens? I forget what is the ultimate like punishment or failed punishment that closes the Ichabod Crane Sleepy Hollow story. Well, I got like nine different endings from yeah. like nine different sources. Sometimes Ichabod Crane disappeared, and all they found was a bro- broken pumpkin. Sometimes Ichabod Crane uh, wasn't even the one haunted by the horseman. It was just the whole damn town. Uh, sometimes Ichabod Crane like won by being brave. I forget how the Disney version ended. I didn't really watch it. <laughs> Don't think I've ever seen it, actually. <laughs> 11.55. Almost midnight. Enough time for one more story. Popularly, it says he was decapitated. Oh yeah, no. This is probably how it how it becomes a headless horseman. Is the origin is he was decapitated by an American cannonball, and the shattered remains yeah. of his head were left on the battlefield while his comrades hastily carried uh, his body away. Which of course would have been a yeah. Which of course would have been a um, an ethnic tale about how the uh, the British forces slashed their uh, Hessian mercenary comrades were uh, cow- cowardly. Cowardly nincompoops, as opposed to the heroic home-defending Americans. But uh, uh, <laughs> I'm sure you'll remember. You killed them on Halloween. Yeah, yeah, okay, Halloween. Yeah, some do, some bitch, whatever, man. Old mercenary whom Crane had decapitated 25 years prior. All sorts of. Oh, he did it in this version, really. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but yeah, I th- I think most most of the concept uh, of the victims that I draw uh, from all of these stories is uh, the guy from Ghost and T-Bird. Like, they're terrified at the end. They've learned their lesson right at the last minute before they either die or not die, depending on the Dullahan. Yeah. Mood. And, um, y- you know, just unworthy uh, jerks that don't really deserve what they got well and then if you also take um at least the some of the most popular versions of ichabod crane's ending and sir gawain the green knight's ending uh sir, sir gawain and the green knight's ending is you have someone who is um 
properly taught an important lesson of some kind yeah. of either bravery or um, keeping your word or morality and they are left to the it seems like that the in the versions where the characters are morally just where they're there they have a justified desire to save their town or you know whatever the hell Gawain is doing um fine <laughs> that it, being a knight if, if you're if you're a hero then you are merely uh scared by your Dullahan. but if you're a villain you are vanquished and that yeah. Yeah. and that and that follows and it makes sense that the um the kind of quasi the quasi hessian that the grim brothers would f- be compelled by that story because yeah. what they really want is chastisement. Is be afraid, yeah. be afraid, little children. <laughs> yeah, be afraid. Uh, listen, to, listen to mom and dad. <laughs> listen to every damn word. <laughs> yes. Or else, because or else this horrible monster is going to come yeah. and get you. How else are we going to be able to populate our lands with um, with regulated little killbot soldiers to take over the rest of uh, Central Europe? <laughs> Which brings us to modern day in 1990, where I was told by my insane aunt while driving on 19 to either to like the Carmichael's drive-in or somewhere, uh, that the road was haunted by a, by a specter that rides a headless horse uh, that goes by the name of the Vagabode. <laughs> And I don't know if I told you the story about the vagabond. It it does ring a teeny tiny bell at the back of my mind. Actually, that's really interesting, huh? The 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 bulk of that story was that um, my aunt could make a spooky voice and say vagabond <laughs> and scare the crap out of my cousins. Right, 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 right. And um, she always wanted to emphasize that he rode a headless horse rather than him being headless. And, well, that's and fucking confusing. Would, <laughs> I'll well, say, she was nuts. Yeah. <laughs> well, hold on a second. That can't just go by really quick. Because try to imagine a headless horse, <laughs> like yeah. a headless person. You're like, okay, like there's some neck there, right? But like a headless yeah. horse is like, where does the where does the horse stop? Like, try to imagine a horse that's only <laughs> yeah. shoulders but no neck, or you or even worse, half a neck. Like what is half a horse's neck? A horse is like one twenty. What? A horse is like one sixteen percent neck. Like try to a headless horse. Headless horse is more upsetting than anything I've ever thought of before in my whole life. Like <laughs> you will put Johnny Fontaine in your movie. <laughs> oh shit! That's like oh, uh, headless horse. Yeah. Okay, but anyway. All of this, anyway. all of this um, vagabond talk is kind of making me realize how um, Dullahanny, the American comic book character of Ghost Rider, kind of is. Like, it, like yeah. Ghost Rider has big, big um, Sleepy Hollow vibes. Now that I, now that I look at it, you know, you get the flames. You have a, you yep. have a character that is riding out of the. 
um, that is riding out of a supernatural dimension after his own death as a vengeance revenant who has yeah. who has a deadly whip and an unstoppable yeah. steed who who roams the countryside dealing out punishments against his enemies. Ghost Rider, motorcycle hero. He's looking so cute. Yeah, Ghost Rider was going to be the example I gave after I covered um, Roland the Headless Thompson Gunner. Oh, well, all right. Well, given that massive bombshell... Given that massive bombshell that no one else on the listening to the program will get, let's go to the apothecary <laughs> for a brief break and come back with Ghost Rider <laughs> and Roland the Headless Thompson Gunner. All right. Sounds good. All right. All right. Fuck this chicken. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> From the land of the midnight sun With a Thompson gun for hire Fighting to be done The deal was made in Denmark On a dark and stormy day So he set out for Biafra To join the bloody fray Hi there. My name is Douglas Rassensberger, and I'm a CEO and founder of Douglas's Cutlasses. Have you ever found yourself in this situation? You've just gotten home from a long day of spurring growth at your small but thriving business. You're just trying to slice some quality deli meats and cheeses for a relaxing snack, and suddenly there's a mysterious intruder rummaging through your garbage outside. What's a domestic disruptor to do when you get in a pickle like this? Pull out your handy-dandy, short-handled, half-guarded navel sword, that's what. Here at Douglas's Colors, we've got every possible colors for every conceivable scenario. Are you an aspiring or current CEO of a Fortune 500 company? I've got a colors for that. A middle school teacher struggling to maintain discipline in the classroom? I've got a colors for that. Looking to add a little flair to drab dinner parties? I've got a colors for that. Some people say to me, but Douglas, I'm not a pirate, privateer, or sailor. What do I need with a battle-quality 27-inch half-guard naval sword? I'm so glad you asked. Here at Douglas's Cutlasses, our research shows that the vast majority of conflicts, both business and personal, can be positively affected by the introduction of a modest, well-crafted naval sword. So let's get swashbuckling. No matter what's your problem, an easy-to-wield iron forged cutlass is probably the solution. So once again, I'm Douglas Raffensperger of Douglas's Cutlasses. Come get stabby with me. Please go to paypal.me slash oopsallmonsters and make a payment there. And that's oops with two O's. Again, that link is paypal.me slash oopsallmonsters. Witches and devils and big black bats. 
Warren Zevon met co-writer Lindell, this is from the Wikipedia about Roland, mm-hmm. um, in 1979 in Stigis, Spain. Yeah, I don't know how... I, uh, uh, I'm, I'm not saying that yeah, right. I don't, know how to, I don't know how to pronounce that. Let's see what the internet says, but <laughs> go ahead. Where the latter was running a bar, uh, the, Dub- the Dubliner, um, after a stint working as a mercenary in Africa, his Warren Zevon's buddy. Uh, he was always interested in the darker side of life, and Zevon decided to collaborate with him, with Zindel, Lindell, on a song about a mercenary. Uh, the fictional character Roland is a Norwegian who becomes embroiled in the aftermath of the Nigerian Civil War and Congo Crisis of the 1960s. The lyrics mention a Congo War in the years 1966 and 1967, which correspond to the mercenary-led uh, Kaiser Kaizenganai mutinies after the Congo crisis. Uh, He earns a reputation as the greatest Thompson gunner, a reputation that attracts the attention of the CIA. Mm. Roland is betrayed and murdered by a fellow mercenary, Van Owen, who blows off his head. Roland becomes the phantom headless Thompson gunner and eventually has his revenge. When he catches Van Owen in in a Mombasa bar, and guns him down. Afterward, he continues wandering through the night. Other violent conflicts of the succeeding decade are said to be haunted by Roland, including Ireland, Lebanon, Palestine, and Berkeley, California. Mm -hmm. Uh, The song concludes with the suggestion that the Patty Hearst controversy was inspired by Roland as well. Yeah. So I will, um, yeah. assuming that a point zero two percent of you have familiarity with um, either Warren <laughs> Zevon or this uh, specific song, he's a kind of an evil Bob Dylan who's obsessed with heroin and death. Uh, there was a yeah. really good VH1 documentary that um, that chronicled his. The making of the the period of time around the making of his last album because they knew he was going to die of lung cancer, uh, and it included yeah. a lot of um, participation on the David Letterman show because he was David Letterman's favorite artist. He was on the David Letterman show like yeah. nine times or something. Uh, a big uh, a big um, artistic character in my household. My my dad was a major fan, and I subsequently yeah. also uh, greatly enjoy. Uh, greatly enjoy Mr. Zevon, and this is kind of one of his most iconic songs because it's it's a real tale, kind of in the same way that um, you know the like a Johnny Cash song is. It's got a real it, it's it's yeah. it's not the kind of song that gets played on the radio nowadays because you really have to sit down and like <laughs> listen to it because it's really about. Yeah. Something. It's about a mercenary in far off lands who gets, who gets like double crossed by one of his friends and blown away, but comes back as a, a headless ghost and takes revenge in a, um, in a gin drinking bar in a far off African land. And it just fucking kicks ass. <laughs> it's just so, it's just yeah. like so badass. And, and yeah, it's one of the best songs I've ever heard. Through 66 and 7. triggers knee deep in gore days and nights they battled 
the band to to their knees they killed to earn their living and to help out the congolese oh and the thompson gunner Beside him, Van Owen and the rest. But of all the Thompson gunners, Roland was the best. So the CIA decided they wanted Roland dead. That son of a bitch, Van Owen, blew off Roland's head. through the night in the muzzle flash of Roland's Thompson gun in the muzzle flash of Roland's Thompson gun and one of main, one of Zevon's like major things I think one of his greatest um, powers was testosterone per square inch in a song where he could do a three minute song, but you'd be fucking flipping out about the content about it by the end, you know, like from the yeah. same, the, the, <laughs> yeah. like excitable boy, the, the, um, the, the, titu- the titular yeah. song of that same album is absolutely wild. It's a, it's kind of a cautionary tale about, um, letting young men get away with being psychopaths and the, 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 the it's 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 very similar to that um, Oingo Boingo song. Uh, he's just a lad. After ten long years, they let him out of the home. Excitable boy, they all said. And he dug up a grave and built a cage with her bones. Excitable boy, they all said. Well, he's just an excitable boy. Where it's it's it's. <laughs> Where yeah. it's kind of riffing on, I'm like, oh, boys, the the boys being boys culture of the the middle of the the uh, 20th century, and that no, this is some people are clearly monsters, and they should be locked up forever because they're you know like <laughs> cannibals and murderers and rapists and things. And but anyway, the point is that this song is uh, it is one of the juiciest. But it is also like kind of cool and mixed with history. It's it. I can't think of almost anything like it. And I'm not really into singer songwriters, like at all. Like like uh, <laughs> um, Warren Zevon is about one of the only times I go for a singer songwriter. But he's a, a, an incredible character of the '70s and '80s primarily. And um, if you've never checked him out, I'm sure it will. I will get some little clips of some some Warren in here and some links because, yeah, Warren Zevon, big 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 fans over here on Oops yeah, All Monsters. Yeah, I, I am about uh, singer songwriters, <laughs> absolutely. And Warren Zevon is probably in the top ten of of all time. Roland searched the continent for the man who done him in. He found him in Mombasa in a ballroom drinking gin. Roland aimed his Thompson gun. He didn't say a word, but he blew out Owen's body 
there to Johannesburg Rolling the headless Thompson gunner The eternal Thompson Gunner Still wandering through the night Now it's ten years later But it still keeps up the fight In Ireland, in Lebanon In Palestine, in Berkeley Uh, he's absolutely, uh, and particularly the how fantastic he is versus how famous he is is an absolute cry. Yeah. Um, and and on, one of the other things is you've heard his most famous song, you just don't know it's him. Um, yeah. Werewolf of London is, um, as yeah. he described it, a stupid song for smart people that is that you will hear <laughs> every spooky season. In a uh, spirit Halloween shop, or um, on your on your uncle's hi-fi stereo, or in the mall, or whatever, you're going to hear um, uh, ooh, "Werewolves of London." But uh, that's that's his yeah. big commercial hit, which allowed him to uh, roll around uh, Los <laughs> Angeles uh, on all sorts of heroin for like a, de- a decade after that. Or. In case all of you punk rockers didn't know, which most of you are into music and you do know, he wrote Carmelita. Gigi Allen did not write Carmelita. Uh, yeah, Gigi Allen did not write anything good because Gigi Allen was a trash man <laughs> made out of trash. <laughs> I don't think very many people are going to care. Yeah, seven, yeah just seven, 72 trashed out gutter snipes just... just put an elbow under their chin off of the burned out carpets that they're laying on right now to go, Hey, what did he say about something? And then went back to sleep. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So hi guys. (laughs) Now that you mention, okay, like make a connection between like sleepy hollow or the headless horseman and Roland, the headless Thompson gunner. It's super, it's super obvious. Yeah, he's a mercenary. He has his head blown off. He comes back for revenge. He, um, uh, I mean, the, the, the I mean, there was another example. But the, in the, the song main, the main thing is they are they are tales of moral failing and consequences. That's really yeah. like it's yeah. all. It's really like it. It doesn't. Ha- if it's super complex, it actually kind of misses the point. It's like it's really closing a loop of 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 justice and karma. And I'm not a big person for like karma in my fiction necessarily, but you know the the Roland the Headless Thompson Gunner song 
is one of the most satisfying and simple I mean, uh, karma stories that you can possibly get. You know, it would be it's kind of like if you could do the whole story of Eric Draven and the Crow in like a three minute and forty seven second song, and it, and also make it good. Yeah. And I I, ch- <laughs> I, ch- I challenge anybody to um to to get me there, but it's it's really it's it's very it totally completely makes sense. I doubt that um. You know, who knows if Warren had this in his mind or whether just the the very like magnetic power of like the headless horseman kind of story, the Gawain and the Green Knight kind of story of these headless characters that are seeking vengeance was just, you know, floating around in the collective unconsciousness in a way that he could just like snatch it and and add it into uh, the flavor of his song, but it, it obvious, it's so obviously would go on a spreadsheet of these ideas that are all of a certain type. Um, yeah, completely yeah, makes sense. Um, he, he wrote that song and this is a weird, weird thing I'm about to say. He wrote this song in 1978 and he's, um, bringing up conflicts that happened in the sixties. And I think like the headless horseman, um uh t- type legends and everything were starting to come around in um like 1870s 1890s and back in the 1860s the the world was at war like it wasn't just the American Civil War there was a war in Mexico there was a war in Russia there was a war in Japan there was a war worldwide mm-hmm. um in in 1860 through 1870 and Kind of like 1970, uh, in 1960, there was a lot of conflict going around. And I think like a 10-year like a um, hindsight on like uh, all of the things that, that like culminate with like worldwide violence and everything, you have to kind of apply a type of folklore to it to, to process it and make it into an applicable fiction for it to like make sense with a morality tale, like you said, but um, yeah, that's just, that's a really weird thing to say. Gavin. No, I, I no, 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 that's not <laughs> weird at all. Um, it's, it's very, it's very rare where media, where the good media of something comes out like that, because even in the case of like Vietnam, full metal jacket actually, you know, yeah. is getting made during, before the movie's over. Right. But the, but the, but the, yeah. before the war is over, but like, but the war has yeah. been going on for what, like 13 years or something at that point. Or yeah, it, like 13 it, years. It's like, I mean, I, I'm going to get that number wrong, but you get my point is they had a little bit of, <laughs> they had a little bit of room by which to get started. Like we thought like, Oh shit, yeah. by the time we get our podcast rolling, this pandemic's totally going to be over. But like, Oh, <laughs> Oh, <laughs> Oh wait, that's not everything is clean and clean and um and quick like that. So uh, yeah. it, it life is dirty and you don't know how long certain things are going to go. But also, I think yeah. that you um, I think that this discussing these various conflicts actually you you hit the nail on, on a head of an idea that I had 
when you were presenting the earlier aspects of this concept, um, in maybe the in the very first chunk, that I I I was trying to decide whether I wanted to lean into this or not. But since you walked right up to the door and, and knocked <laughs> on it, I'll go for it because yeah. like in like yeah. in the Roland song when he specifically lists um, in Ireland, in Lebanon, in Palestine, yeah. in Berkeley, like and then he holds that really long note when he's iterating those examples. Okay, like those are also examples that create a logical through line for all of these kinds of morality stories that match the Doolahan that you've brought. You know, you've got Ireland's troubles and Palestine versus Israel and slaughter of of like innocent people in Berkeley. These are cases where you have um, weapons and violence and kind of a, uh, how would I say it? Like a completely nonsensical violence that if you were an alien and you were looking down at at the planet Earth, it would be just like, what the fuck is going on? It was very much like that episode of um, Rick and Morty where... Um, the, the, they go down to the planet with his ex that's like a communal brain, and yeah. then they turn yeah. the communal brain off. The cold nipple people will rule this world! You shut your mouth, you dirty knife nipple bastards! What'd you say to me, you target chest piece of shit? Race war! And it turns out that everybody having the communal brain was preventing massive racial war. Yeah. <laughs> As Americans, it's kind of, in a way, easy to look at the Irish Troubles and be like, you're all just a bunch of fucking... Like, it's just like, <laughs> st- st- like, stop it. It's just like, you're on that side of the road and you're on that side of the road. And some of you have worse accents, but it's absolutely completely meaningless. You know, and and uh, like the the set of examples that uh, Warren Zevon picks is going to be a bunch of Catholic, like, uh, ex- like sons of bitches are come over, going to come over and firebomb my house now. But the, the point is that, like, <laughs> the point is that it's 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 trash. Like you know, okay. So, but speaking of speaking of the Irish, like you, I know that uh, both of us on this show are big fans of Donovan, the singer songwriter of the nineteen sixties yeah. and seventies, Donovan. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, me recently, yeah. I'm just mad about saffron. Right, but how familiar are you with the song Universal Soldier of his? Uh, I've just heard it, so not... Okay, well, so the song is ultimately about... um, I'll just read the, the important lines. It says, He's the Universal Soldier... And he really is to blame. His orders come from far away no more. They come from here and there, and you and me and brothers, can't you see? This is not the way to put an end to war. And really, ultimately, the message of the Universal Soldier is that if everybody who is just willing to kill because patriotism, and regardless of what the patriotism is meaning what you know what side of what line you're on is if you just removed all of the universal soldiers then all of the conflicts would be non-existent and completely unnecessary they're unnecessary already but the only reason that you need dangerous men with guns is to protect you from the other places dangerous men with guns 
He's five foot two and he's six feet four. He fights with missiles and with spears. He's all of thirty-one and he's only seventeen. He's been a soldier for a thousand years. He's a Catholic, a Hindu, an atheist, a Jain. It's a it's a very 1960s concept that I am not surprised has not translated effectively in the 21st century. It is like a true fl- like flower flower in the M16 barrel idea, and that idea of the universal soldier is kind of the thing that Warren is indicating in. Um, the, at the end of the Roland song, that you can plug and play the idea of the the true mercenary of I just do this and it doesn't matter who I am or where the conflict is or whether I'm you know it's, it's very tongue tongue in cheek when the lyrics say that he's there to help out the Congolese like you know a mercenary doesn't give a shit it's like who's got the cash and will help them not get killed in the conflict. But, and because that's what being a mercenary is. It's easy to miss, I think, the forest for the trees in the Dullahan because the, the fact that your symbolic ethical or your symbolic like fairy demon that is going to like caution you or bring justice, it doesn't have a head, I think is it means what you think it means if you just think about it for three seconds. It's like that, it's yeah. like the headless soldier yeah. is the point. Like, what is it about the headless soldier that you should take in as a disturbing concept if you just meditate on the thing that it's telling you, right? Like, the, 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 yeah. the headless Doolahan is the universal soldier in a way. Um, but it's also the, it's also, there's also a yin and yang there because ironically, the, by becoming a Doolahan or a, or a, a headless horseman, you've now become a thing that definitely has a moral compass. Or you are just the, hmm, you are just the like judge dread of a, of a universal compass that you were, you were kind of like the fingernail of a larger, spiritual or religious or ethical system that's saying like do or do not do this or that and poking Ichabod Crane with your pointy Hessian broken fingernail or whatever. I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. The fact that the guy's got no head is not just like it's yeah. not just like a Marvel Comics Ghost Rider cool ass thing. I mean that obviously like buttresses the myth mythological strength of the story. Like, ah it's got no head, it's on fire, it's not a horse gonna kill me. But like the warrior with with no thinking apparatus who just does their job diligently is like that is it it's a it's a it's a thing to uh it's a thing to meditate on right like either we should listen to that monster or we should eliminate that monster depending on how you're looking at it i don't know wherever there is injustice you will find us Wherever there is suffering, we'll be there. Well, that would bring me to the contrast uh, between Roland and Ghost Rider, which would bring us into Ghost Absolutely. Rider. Absolutely. Ghost Rider is a lot more personal. Yeah, okay. 
and 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 seemingly more divine than just like geopolitical what is a soldier what is war yeah like the ghost riders after people because they have offended heaven right he's a he's a <laughs> like specifically the christian heaven yeah if we had a if we had a yeah. like a a chart of all of these like Doolahan slash revenants he'd be a lot closer to eric yeah. draven than yeah. to you know the the Arthurian Arthurian knight or whatever. I mean, what are there? What are the differences with Ghost Rider? Because he's first of all, he's an actual dude, right? Like he's yeah, origi- originally Blaze. he's Johnny Blaze, and he's like yeah, he's made a deal with um not Marvel's not the devil character Mephisto. Yeah, I'm I'm Mephi- oh, I, Mephisto. Yeah, I'm yeah. Mephisto. Definitely not the ki- not the devil. Kids in 1988, <laughs> super not the devil. Don't worry about it. I'm just very devilish. <laughs> yeah, I'm less upsetting than him. Yeah, I'm. I'm look at him. <laughs> oh, powerful! I'm gonna have to put some stank on that when I uh, put it through the the editor machine. Yeah, him. yeah, I'm looking at. I'm looking at pictures of Mephisto. He's that's the devil. Yeah, yeah, he's the he's the he's the he's the devil in a Marvel Comics leotard is what he is. Yeah. <laughs> um well, other than um Ghost Rider being pretty personal, I don't know that much about him. I know that he fought Venom once. Well, he was in, he was original. I I know that his like a lot of great characters that ended up like having a lot of success in in Marvel he was invented as a daredevil bad guy and then they were like okay yeah. well this thing looks bad fucking ass so let's just give him his own show you know what i mean yeah. like and uh you know daredevil the hulk wolverine they're all they're all comic heroes that like just uh, spider-man just trying to come up with their bad guys has created a whole cottage industry of some of the most popular characters to be um, portrayed by Nicolas Cage. Ghost Rider wasn't like a superhero either. He was a uh, a crow. Yeah, he was a, it, it's more like a like a like a really dark and thing that you weren't into at thirteen. At thirteen, you were into like ass kickers and and bravado and heroics. Yeah, it's kind of it, and then like cro- fifteen, you were into other like crows. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of yeah, it's kind of a cross between. It's like a more bitchin' combination of like the crow and the Punisher. You know, it's it's still yeah. it's still. Um, well, I guess we're gonna coin something called BVE, Big Vengeance Energy. Like, but because yeah. <laughs> that, that's like, which is which is totally a through line through all of them, and and also yeah. like, you know, my super favorite not thing about that is, you know, I'm not gonna I'm gonna try to not stand on my like woke ass soapbox too much this episode, but like the people that are allowed to have big vengeance energy are always white men. There's a giant um, anti woke response, which is Spawn. Uh, Spawn's black, right? <laughs> yeah, Spawn's black. Well, Spawn's like a cape, but like <laughs> the but the the dude, but the yeah, dude, the black. dude is black. But you but but yeah. you notice you that's one of the reasons you don't get to see Spawn's face. You know, it's it's like the opposite of the it's like the opposite of the joke. Why does Batman only wear half a mask so the so that the cops know that he's white? Nah, <laughs> I've never heard that. <laughs> Shit, jeez, holy crap! 
<laughs> because I think, you know, I think you could, I think if you asked our audience, like if you did a lineup of which one, how many of these super, like scary ass superheroes is black, you, you know, I would forget that Spawn is black. You know what I mean? There's just yeah. not, it is not a, I mean, it's one of those, it's snuck under the door and it's, it's well, interesting. Like Ghost Rider, I, th- I think that skin color kind of becomes a, a secondary priority when your head's on fire. Yeah. Well, you know, there, like we could cover, I guarantee we're going to get to something in the spawn universe before too long. Oh, absolutely. A- yeah. And, um, like the, maybe this Halloween, you know, even for instance, <laughs> for instance, even if, <laughs> um, even if Candyman was a character for whom you didn't really see his face or his skin color, just imagine, you know, a different, a more spawnish, like covered up character that really there's a, there's a massive, there's a massively important element narratively of what the origin of the problems for that character are and how they originate. So I think it's, it's important because I think for instance, you could, I I don't know enough about ghostwriter, but if you made him a black guy and you made it a story that was connected to that, it'd be a different story. But anyway, I didn't mean to get on a whole thing, but the the idea, I'll I'll simplify it to this. The Punisher couldn't be black. How about that? And if you want to, if you, um, I mean, if you, I, huh. I, you know, you, that's, that's basically what it boils down to. Like, argue, and I would also yeah. argue no, Batman probably, I, I even in 2021, I don't think Batman could either. I mean, they try, you know, they make a, they make 25 Captain Americas and one of them's gay and they like half of Reddit wants to burn down the White House. What are we going to do? Maybe we could build a fire, sing a couple of songs, huh? Why don't we try that? Yeah, you know, I think, yeah, the crow is, is specifically right off. He's not on this chart. The crow's not a doulahan. The, tro- the crow all. is a revenant. Yeah. And so, like, if yeah. you have a if you have a squares versus rectangles thing, it's like all doulahans are revenant. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Maybe it's a Venn diagram. All right, I'll have to do that. I'll have to, I'll have to put... <laughs> you say Venn diagrams so much. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it would be if there was as a drinking game. It's the way I think about reality. If, if Yeah, um, that's a good idea. Oops, all monsters, send in your new, version of the Venn diagram drinking game to oopsallmonsters at gmail.com. Yeah, back when I used to drink like a, um, a college student, I invented a Ghostbusters 2 <laughs> drinking game. That uh, I, yeah. I took to a party one time and it worked so well I like blew a tire on my car on the way home. Um, but <laughs> do not drink and drive, kids. I was this is a long time ago, yeah, a long, long, long time ago. That, um, back whenever ad agencies ran Madison. <laughs> yeah, well, everything you are doing is bad. I just want you to know. Yeah. Why am I dripping with goose? Try hard. Try again. Yeah, this is a category that I did not at all know exist. I mean, this is what the show is about to me. Is like I is yeah. I this to me is like realizing that I've been staring at a crossword puzzle or a word find the whole time and being like, <laughs> "Holy shit, that was right in front of me for like decades and I didn't even notice." Like I should I should have yeah. seen that Ghost Rider and um, the Headless Horseman and Roland the Headless Thompson Gunner were all one thing. They were all yeah. like in a drawer, and I just never 
it just never stuck out to me. Like that to me, yeah. that's what this show is, is to see like I'm looking for the hidden threads that are will actually tell us something about the stories that we are telling as human beings. Like what are yeah. these what are these stories doing for us and what are these stories doing for us and what common elements are necessary to like get us through various problems, you know, because not only are these, yeah. not only is a Doolahan or a headless horseman about morality, it's also a way to contextualize grief because ultimately this is always attached to somebody's died, even if it's just the guy who comes back as the Doolahan. Sometimes it's that, sometimes it's another character, you know, like when you're a revenant, it's frequently because you've had an, like a, a profound grief experience, like Eric Draven, and you come back and you're all pissed off about your girlfriend in Detroit or something else. And in order to have the origin stories for these characters, like the ghostwriter who you actually do have a narrative of who he was and then who he becomes and he's got to make a deal with a super not the devil, then it becomes like a thing where grief is is totally understandable. And that's like where Ghost Rider definitely does something, does have a lot in common with Candyman is you can look at uh, the Candyman and go like, okay, this mechanism of pain and grief actuated him into a thing that is like trans-dimensional and and out of time and dangerous right like uh, yeah. uh, uh, that, that uh, in in Freddy Krueger's case that something um, some version of his evil was so profound that th that there was a uh, a backsplash uh, on the vent there you know there was a blowback of vengeance when the town like lynched him and burned him and that they in the way that they misfired doing a good deed two wrongs don't make a right and can accidentally be magnified back at you and uh it's interesting that this it's it's not the exact same story but it's on the same plane on some level where you can see how they're riffing off of each other this landing is going to get pretty interesting define interesting oh god oh god we're all going to die but vengeance revenants need to start, like, existing. <laughs> you mean in life? You mean... <laughs> yes, in life. Right. Vengeance revenants need to exist, like, now. Well, that's a, like, to change some of this shit. Well, that's a real... Well, that's a real... <laughs> that's a real slippery slope, I hate to tell you there. Because if, cause if, you, <laughs> cause if you uncork that bottle and you start thinking about who's going to get vengeance upon, like, I... Yeah. <laughs> um, as much as I want to enjoy ghost story movies... And haunted house movies. I'm always, one of the main problems I have with it is separate from the, the like whole like past life bullshit, which I, I'm, I'm willing to suspend my disbelief to enjoy ghosty monster stories. But one of the main problems I have is like, uh, is always like, you were the one that got like a pass to come back and do <laughs> shit because, because uh, like, I, I, you know, you know, it's, it'll always be like, the ones that bother me specifically are like an asylum yeah. or a, a family <laughs> annihilation where I'm like, this asylum was so bad. And I'm like, well, how? Okay. So if any like congregation of terrible murders and tortures can happen, then a bunch of ghosts will come back. Well, how come fucking like Auschwitz or the Trail of Tears is not just like a, 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 a Giant flaming wall of souls that because are just, just just preventing traffic from going down the it five has to freeway. Be, um, 
aging Victorian in 1920s type of setting or else it doesn't work. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. The victims had yeah. to have known about the occult. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. There is a there is a kind of um, plot like Hellraiser yeah. box where where you do you do the you do the wrong version of the Rubik's yeah. cube and it's like half yellows and half reds and you're like ah shit we ah shit we unlocked yeah. a haunting yeah. ah shit we unlocked a Jennifer Connelly movie yeah. and I moved to California I love Jennifer Connelly. Who doesn't Who like, doesn't Jennifer, like Connelly? Jennifer Connelly? There's another set of hauntings. We have to come up with a dual hand that comes back and kills people that just don't like Jennifer Connelly. Because <laughs> that would make more sense. Yeah, yeah. Master at arms, take that man below and clap him in irons. Is it, is it, is it, is it, is it bitchin' Van Art? Oh, okay. I think this one is going to be easy to answer. Is it, is, is the headless horse, are the he various headless horse men uh, slash Doolahan's bitchin' Van Art? Yeah. Yeah, they, I think for sure. If you're going to include the Ghost Rider, it's like a no-brainer. <laughs> uh, even if you don't, they are, uh, it is definitely, definitely, it's like, there's flames, there's horses, there's a skull whip as an, yeah. as an option. There's like a sp spine whips. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, yes. S spine whip. Spine whip is spine a... Uh, whip. Yeah. yeah. Spine whip is a thought technology that I am definitely employing in something soon. Um, that's the fucking kicks ass. It, that is the epitome of bitch and van art, if you ask me. So, yes... The headless horseman slash Doolahan is bitchin' van art. So, all right, cool, 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 cool. cool. Is it? Is it? Is 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 it bitchin' van art? Let's get into uh, Gavin. I hear we have a new describing topic for our uh, beloved yeah. segment. Do you want to? Um, how do you want to? How do you want to intro this new? We we're escaping Jeffrey Dean Morgan, and we are on to what? Busta Rhymes. Busta Rhymes. And uh, before, go ahead. And before we um get deep into it, uh, it will become very apparent that I don't know a fucking thing about Busta Rhymes. So this is all, <laughs> this is all Gavin. Trevor Busta Rhymes Taheen Smith Jr. Our inaugural jaunt into describing Busta. <laughs> um, this picture, since you brought the topic in, I'll try to, I'll try to describe. This is a, um, it looks like kind of like a, one of these Classic '90s Spike Jones, yes, uh, thievery videos with the wild fisheye lens, kind of Missy Elliott style, where the room is collapsed in, and it, he's wearing a costume that's big and fluffy, that's the exact same color yes. as the room, and <laughs> gesturing with his finger right into the lens. Um, he he kind of look, he kind of looks like a cross between himself and like a Parappa the Rappa <laughs> cartoon from the video game. 
um, like something that my like ex girlfriend from two, the year two thousand would have destroyed me at on uh, Nintendo or PlayStation One. Yeah, that's a good yeah. The nine. <laughs> The 90s had a lot of PlayStation 1 graphics, like, uh, throughout its reality. Yeah. Like, including this um, uh, hip-hop fisheye lens reoccurring thing that um, I think Puff Daddy ultimately took over. But, I mean, everybody was doing it. And it, w- it, was, it, it was awesome. It really put you in the music yeah. if you wanted to be there. Uh, <laughs> this, this exact photo... It's starting to give me kind of like a the snozberries taste like snozberries yeah. like like hallway getting tiny vibe yeah. where this is like a, a much more aggressive hip hop Willy Wonka. Oh yeah, that's that that describes Buster Rhyme videos perfectly. He really wants <laughs> to take you to like some type of demented candy factory. That's that makes perfect sense. <laughs> and he's got a he's got a big chunky spike kind of like gauntlet thing on his finger that he's gesturing at us yeah. with too. It's got it's got the it's got vibes of that um Oh Bowser. Yeah hey that would be a great casting if you get Buster Rhymes in the nineties to play Bowser. <laughs> he's got no he's given off big Bowsette vibes. Oh Bowsette yeah, with that brace, with that bracer, yeah, yeah, which um, maybe it's probably fighting words if I said that to, to Buster in particular. <laughs> and all um, the stars coming but, off of him too. Was kind of super yeah, Mario-ish. yeah, he looks, he looks like he's gonna, he's gonna give me a lecture for not doing well enough in a Mario Kart level. Yeah. <laughs> He's a Mario Kart drill sergeant, is what's happening here. He's, he's a little you drill sergeant, sh- yeah. You gotta shoot that blue shell right. I cannot even imagine. I cannot do a bu- anything in the vicinity of a Busta Rhymes impression yeah, myself. I couldn't so either. I, you should do something. It's, <laughs> um, it's probably part of being like an award-winning vocalist. Is it's hard to sound the way that you sound? Yeah, like part of the job. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's 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 definitely bringing a cartoon to life. Yeah, it also looks like he may have been. Um, his costume is kind of like as if he's been trapped in a in a 1996 beanbag or a piece of inflatable furniture. Yeah, uh, and is uh, is just now starting to escape and reprimanding you from trap for trapping him in this room, <laughs> which is. Um, <laughs> He's, it also kind of looks like a set from the the '90s Robin Williams movie Toys. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Which is either way better or way worse than I remember it. I do not know. <laughs> I'll find out later the when toys I finally rewatch Toys. Is is ridiculous if you have to like like if you watch the Toys movie and then um, try to remember what it's all about. It's really stupid. But if you get lost in it, it's okay. Oh, I'm positive that the plot. I'm positive that the the plot yeah. is total is totally it's, Manhattan dog turds. Yeah. Like I, but but if you, I think if you were to, I think if you were to grind that, what's probably eighty eight minute movie into doubt, like a forty five minute, like I don't know, like. Um, like ketamine trip. Yeah, it was. It's probably very satisfying on some level, you know. Um. As opposed to Little Monsters with Fred Savage with fucking Smash with, with which fucking smashes. Yeah. But uh, wow. yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna rate this photo uh, for based off of no context whatsoever. 
four out of five busters. Yeah. Um, he, this is obviously way pre the era where he's jacked up like a fucking Street Fighter three character. Yeah. Um, this is like probably 15 to 20 percent tattoos. Yeah, that's based off of what I can see, which is very little. And he has like a definite. He is like a uh, a smaller than Detective Stabler size neck still. Yeah. So yeah, that's why I picked Busta. There's a lot of arrows. Yeah, he's <laughs> definitely goes through like stages. He's an evolving Pokemon. <laughs> um, all right, so this has been our first episode of. And that brings us to the end of our time with you, dear reader. Until next time, when we deliver you another batch of beasts, bullywugs, and bowls of flesh-eating dessert fluff. If you would be so kind as to tell a friend or support us by throwing Oops All Monsters a five-star review on iTunes, that really does help. I have a Twitch channel all of October. I'm going to be trying to complete the MechWarrior 5, um campaign you can check me out at twitch at uh, twitch gavin Longshanks. yep and if you do not remember that one it is in our link tree which is in the uh in the description of every episode as well as on our instagram so you don't have to memorize it yeah so uh share an episode on your favorite social media and hit up that instagram for the images that go along with each episode and our busta of the week while you're on that Instagram, comment on it and tell us what kind of monsters you want to see or email us directly with email um, at oopsallmonsters <laughs> at gmail.com. Uh, say all kinds of stuff. Tell us uh, role-playing game stories. Tell us monster stories. Tell us Halloween stories. We want Halloween stories. That's oopsallmonsters at gmail.com. I emailed him in his email. Uh, and if you want to toss a coin into the potion fund, hit us up with a one-shot contribution at paypal.me slash oopsallmonsters. Or if you're feeling really froggy, sign up at patreon.com slash oopsallmonsters. This is a completely random note. I was looking at the our various statistics. We have m- more listening in the Philippines than I would have expected. If, if awesome. anybody listening in the Philippines could recommend the kind of... I've heard that there are some really interesting Filipino monsters. Yeah. Kind of like... Um, kind of Filipino flavored vampires and yeah. witches that I that I don't I have I don't know where to start. So if anybody's got a suggestion, get us at the email oopsallmonsters at gmail.com. So um, finally, lastly, I have to thank my wonderful friend Katie for our incredible theme song. Her work is part of the duo. Yeah. Her work as part of the duo The Darling Kathleen's can be found on YouTube at The Darling Kathleen's. Uh, and with that, I have been Hess. And I've been Gavin. And this has been... Spooky Season. Spooky. Oh, Spooky Season. (laughs) I surprised you with that one. Yeah. Okay, let's close the door. Thank our friend Katie for her work as a doula hand. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God.
double L O, double U, double E, and spells Halloween. <laughs>